Number 070323, a rendering of each of seven episodes. Episode 1, A Year with the Church Fathers. Recognize the good emotions. A good Christian is not insensibly tranquil, says St. Augustine. Even in heaven, we will know joy and love. Here on earth, we also know sadness and compassion. To be without these emotions would be to be less than human. Since we must live a good life in order to gain a blessed life, a good life gets all the emotions right, and a bad life gets them wrong. But in the blessed life eternally, there will be love and joy, not only right, but assured, but no fear and grief. From this, we can already see a little of what kind of people the citizens of the city of God must be in this pilgrimage of theirs, the citizens who live after the spirit, not after the flesh, that is, according to God, not according to man, and what kind of people they must be in the immortality toward which they are headed. Wicked emotions, as if they were disasters or riots, shake the city or society of the wicked, the people who live, not according to God, but according to man, and who accept the doctrines of men or devils in worshiping a false divinity and despising the true divinity. And if some of the citizens of that city seem to restrain and temper those passions, so to speak, they are so puffed up with ungodly pride that their disease is as much greater as their pain is less. Some, with a vanity as monstrous as it is rare, are proud of themselves because no emotion will stimulate or excite them, no affection moves or bends them. But people like that have actually lost all their humanity rather than gained true peace. A thing is not necessarily right because it is flexible, or healthy because it feels nothing. St. Augustine, City of God, 14.9 In God's presence, consider this. Which of the emotions I've felt today came from Christian love? Which ones came from selfishness and pride? Closing prayer. Lord, you are the God of peace, mercy, love, and compassion. Send your rich mercy down on me, and teach me not to forget the poor and all who are in need. Episode number two, Through the Year with Thomas Merton. Closing their eyes. The experience of 20th century dictatorships has shown that it is possible for some Christians to live and work in a shockingly unjust society, closing their eyes to all kinds of evil, and indeed, perhaps participating in that evil, at least by default, concerned only with their own compartmentalized life of piety, closed off from everything else on the face of the earth. Life and Holiness Episode number three, Magnificat, March 2023, volume 24, number 13. Item number one, a reading from the Gospel according to Matthew, chapter 21, verses 1 through 12. 
Jesus spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees have taken their seat on the chairs of Moses. Therefore do not, and observe all things whatsoever they tell you, but do not follow their example, for they preach, but they do not practice. They, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to carry, and lay them on people's shoulders, but they will not lift a finger to move them. All their works are performed to be seen. They widen their palactries and lengthen their tassels. They love places of honor at banquets, seats of honor in synagogues, greetings in marketplaces, and the salutation rabbi. <clears throat> As for you, do not be called rabbi. You have but one teacher, and you are all brothers. Call no one on earth your father. You have but one father in heaven. Do not be called master. You have but one master, the Christ. The greatest among you must be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. Item number two. <clears throat> Meditation of the day. Serving the one teacher, father, and master. This day comes around year after year, and it's a reminder to us and represents for us the day on which God's holy servants, Perpetua and Felicity, Felicity burst into bloom in perpetual felicity, holding on to the name of Christ in the war, and at the same time also finding their own names in the reward. If what I can offer is quite unequal to the merits of these saints, I can still contribute my own enthusiastic feelings to the glory of this great feast. What, after all, could be more glorious than these women, whom men can more easily admire than imitate? But this redounds supremely to the praise of him in whom they believe, and in whose name they ran the race together with faithful zeal. In heaven the glorious martyrs will be resplendent with the special light that distinguishes them, and the bodies in which they suffered unseemingly torments will be turned from them into seemingly robes of honor. So then let us celebrate their feasts, as indeed we are doing, with the utmost devotion, soberly cheerful, gathered in a holy assembly, thinking faithful thoughts, confidently proclaiming their sanctity. It is no small part of imitation to rejoice together in the virtues of those who are better than we are. They are great, we are little, but the Lord has blessed the little with the great. Psalm 115, verse 13. They have gone ahead of us. They tower over us like giants. If we are not capable of following them in action, let us follow in affection. If not in glory, then certainly in joy and gladness. If not in merit, then in desire. If not in suffering, then in fellow feeling. If not in excellence, than in our close relationship with them. It should not seem a small matter to us that we are members of the same person's body as they are too, even though we cannot compare with them. Because if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. So too, when one member is glorified, 
all the members rejoice within. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26. Glory be to the head, by which consideration is given to the hands above and to the feet below. Just as that one man laid down his life for us all, so the martyrs imitated him and laid down their lives for their brothers and sisters. And in order that this bumper crop of Christian peoples might spring up like sprouting seeds, they watered the earth with their blood. So we too are the fruit of their toil. We admire them. They are sorry for us. We congratulate them. They pray for us. They stew their bodies like garments on the road. The colt carrying the Lord was led into Jerusalem. Let us at least cut branches from the trees, pluck hymns and praises from the Holy Scriptures, and offer them in a joint expression of rejoicing. We are all in attendance upon the same Lord, all following the same teacher, accompanying the same leader, joined to the same head, wending our way to the same Jerusalem, pursuing the same charity and embracing the same unity. Episode number four, God's Little Instruction Book, number one, two, and three, by Honor Books. Golden Nugget number one, inspired by Ephesians, chapter six, verses four. No man ever really finds out what he believes in until he begins to instruct his children. And ye fathers provoke in your children to wrath and bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Golden Nugget number two, inspired by Proverbs chapter six, verses four. The doors of opportunity are marked. Push and pull the soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Golden nugget number three, inspired by Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. It's the little things in life that determine the big things. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Episode number five, Chesterson Day by Day. Thus, because we are not in a civilization which believes strongly in oracles or sacred places, we see the full frenzy of those who killed themselves to find the sepulchre of Christ. But being in a civilization which does not believe in this dogma of fact for fact's sake, We do not see the full frenzy of those who kill themselves to find the North Pole. I am not speaking of a tenable ultimate utility, which is true both of the Crusades and the polar explorations. I mean merely that we do see the superficial and aesthetic singularity, the startling quality about the idea of men crossing a continent with armies to conquer the place where a man died. But we do not see the ascetic singularity and the startling quality of men dying in agonies to find a place where no man could live, a place only interesting because it's supposed to be the meeting place of some lines that do not exist. Heretics. Episode number six, 
reflections. A thick rope is made from thin fibrous strands of hemp. One thin fiber cannot bind you, nor can it strangle you, for you will easily, as in jest, break it and freely and free yourself from it. However, if you are tied with a thick rope, you will be held bound and even strangled by it. You can neither break free of it nor free yourself from it. As a thick rope consists of thin and weak fibers, so men's compassions consist of small initial sins. Man can break off and turn away from the beginnings of small initial sins. But when a sin after sin is repeated, the weave becomes stronger and stronger. Until the end, a passion is created, which then turns man into some kind of monster, as only it knows how. You cannot easily cut it off or distance yourself from it, nor can you divorce yourself from it. Oh, if only men would beware and uproot the beginnings of sins, then they would not have to endure much in freeing themselves from passions. To cut off rooted passions is as difficult as cutting off one's finger, said a monk from Holy Mountain. To free himself from sinful passions, Saint Emilianus was helped by the remembrance of death and naturally the grace of God, without which it is extremely difficult to rid oneself of the fetters of passion. To think often of impending death, to repent, and to implore grace from Almighty God, these three acts save a man from the bondage of sin. St. Sisosis was said, How long does it take to uproot passions? The saint replied, As soon as one's passion arises in you, uproot it immediately. Episode number seven. Consider this. They don't lie to you because the truth will hurt your feelings. No, no, no. They lie to you because the truth might provoke you to make choices that won't serve their interests.